Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com. Dot com, register to vote, click on the Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast category where you can then vote for us to win. Now, you will have to listen to the other nominees as well, but let's be honest, you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today, which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance. Sportspodcastawards.com, that's how you do it, and we thank you in advance. And everybody who votes for us, we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philado. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got to be Yes! Sally Stegel, 132.67, has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 of Yuki. On the ice with the Gimlet. The It is off the podium and Olympics podcast coming to you today for another interview in the lead up to Beijing. We're days away now from the Winter Olympics. We are speaking to another ski jumper today, Abigail Strait from Canada on the cusp of being at the Olympics at the time of recording this. Basically had a spot for the Games just needed to confirm it. So by the time we're airing this, we will know, of course, whether or not she is there or not. But this is a great, insightful chat, as they all are, as Abby tells us about her journey through the sport, what made her get into it, how her parents were so cool and calm and basically like, yeah, you can do ski jumping, it's fine. And uh, maybe not what a lot of parents would generally say when they find out their child wants to do ski jumping. And the journey through the ranks, what it was like, I guess, missing out on regular high school life rather than uh, going to high school and uh, experiencing what a lot of teenagers do, basically being off in Europe, training and competing and kind of how that's affected her and hopes and aspirations for Beijing and everything else in between. This is a really fun chat that I know you are going to enjoy and you're about to hear it right now. Here is our chat with Canadian ski jumper, Abigail Strait. We are getting closer and closer to the Beijing Olympics and continuing to talk to athletes from the sports that we're going to be seeing at the Beijing Olympics, potentially seeing our guests at the Beijing Olympics and just learning a lot about their careers and what it means to be an athlete in their chosen sport. We are doing ski jumping once again, a Canadian ski jumper, an esteemed ski jumper who I'm so excited to learn about her journey in the sport, hopes for Beijing and beyond. 
and everything else in between. It is a pleasure to welcome to Off the Podium, Abigail Straight. Abby, first of all, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to have you on Off the Podium today. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to give the big intro to get you pumped up and excited to talk about this. So it's. uh, do do you want me to kind of give you more? Like is there more energy here that you want me to kind of bring to the table? (laughs) No, my my internet cut out for like five seconds and all of a sudden you were just saying, you're like, you're you're on. I didn't didn't know if you asked something, so I just said hi. I thought I I couldn't be wrong. You missed the really big question there, like the the in-depth, like super hard question. So it's all right. You you, you escaped that. Oh, no, uh, I've already messed up. Yeah, gosh. Terrible. Get now. off, Abby. We don't know. Too. Come on. You know, don't have to put out this with all your other teammates. They were. They brought excitement yeah. and professionalism to the to the table. But we've we've been learning a lot about ski jumping, really, with a whole series of ski jumpers from both Canada and, and the US over sort of our last few episodes. And and it's a sport that still fascinates me. I, I absolutely love ski jumping, as I've talked a lot about in all these chats. But for our listeners out there and our viewers watching on YouTube, uh, how did you get started in ski jumping, Abby? Sort of how did this journey of this great sport begin for you? Um, I got into ski jumping. I was six or seven years old and I went to a summer camp in, in Calgary. We tried a bunch of different sports, you know, everything, biking, skiing. And then one of them uh, was ski jumping and I went off this little ski jump on some alpine skis and yeah, from there I just got recruited and my parents were like, sure, I guess, I guess she can keep doing this and I haven't stopped doing it since then. Great. I love the fact that the parents are on board straight away. This isn't a case of like, oh, maybe not ski jumping. Why why don't you do that? That tennis, that looks more (laughs) uh, safe for us. Uh, Not jumping off a giant hill. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know uh, if they expected it to, to progress so far. Maybe they were just thinking I would stay on the small jumps, but <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't work. Didn't, didn't work. I, I don't know. if Is there much competition out there for people who just want to stick on the small jumps? Like, is there kind of the small, tiny jump ski jumping out there for people who don't want to progress up the ranks? Uh, not not really. Uh, not, not like uh, on the world stage. But, I mean, if you just wanted to do it for fun, I guess you could go <laughs> hang out with a little little munchkins on the small hills yeah yeah that that's me that's that's where i'd probably be going if uh you know i gave it a try it seems it seems to be a bit of a thing this camp that kind of people go to and this is where ski jumping is discovered do do, do anybody does anybody go to the other sports or is ski jumping just the popular one everybody wants to do ski jumping and bugger all the other sports that are at these camps um i i think that is the complete opposite. I don't think ski jumping is a very popular one that people pick. I, I don't know uh, how many kids get recruited into the other sports, but uh, yeah, ski jumping is a pretty rare sport to, to start up in, in Canada. We've just been lucky that we've kind of had you all on, the ones that have chosen basically yeah. <laughs> to, to go with yeah. ski. What other, what other sports, is it, is it purely winter sports that are at these camps or is it sort of a mixture of winter and summer sports? Um, well, now thinking about it, I said that I, uh, tried biking and skiing and that is incorrect because this was a summer camp. So I tried, I did not ski, uh, but yeah, they were, I can't even remember. It was, it was like an all round summer camp. We also did like a bunch of crafts and stuff. I remember we, we tried mini golfing. Uh, what else did I can't really remember what else we did. It was so long ago, but I guess ski jumping was one of the things. Oh, we bungee, we did, uh 
bungee jumping or like wow. on a trampoline type nice. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds so like a it was fun pretty camp. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, like this is this is something I wish we kind of had in Australia. Like, I mean, I you know go on school camps, but all I remember is maybe a ropes course or like, hey, let's go down to the beach and build a fire. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't never ski jumping or mini golf or bungee. Like, I'm missing out. I guess I guess you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, none of these are taking me to the Olympics. I don't think potentially with that sort of stuff. But do you, do you remember what it was about ski jumping that you fell in love with at that young age? Uh, no, I think I just, I was just kind of going with the flow and I, I enjoyed it and I seemed enthusiastic. Like I, I would just go, I was going around and around and around and I was going off the jump again and again and I wouldn't stop. And I think that's why they, they kind of picked me out of the crowd and said, yeah, you should keep doing it. Cause lots of the kids would kind of get bored and wander and, you know, start picking grass and stuff. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I think. I, I remember I was pretty fascinated looking up at the the really big towers at the top of Canada Olympic Park. And I was like, who would ever do that? Like, what is that? But I don't know if I made the connection when I was six. I don't know if I made the connection between that and what I was doing. But, yeah, I guess I just had fun. I, I love the fact that there's these kids out there that were just picking grass who are maybe probably <laughs> going to be staring at the TV screen soon watching you at the Olympics going, oh, God, if only I had have just taken one more jump. Could have been Abby's teammate, but I was too busy picking grass. Yep, those grass pickers, they'll, uh, they'll regret it. Yeah, unless they become like a gardener or something like that, you know. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> park Olympic ranger. Or, yeah, well, exactly. They could be uh, keeping, uh, you know, the Olympic Park there in Calgary better. I have to ask a question, Abby. Everybody I get from Calgary, I need to ask a question. Who do you go for in the NHL? Is it, is it the correct answer in the Flames or is it somebody else? Oilers. Oh, geez. Well, it was nice having you on the show, Abby. Thank you for your time. <laughs> I know, I'm probably going to lose a lot of followers from that now. Um, I think it was just like I grew up with my, my dad being an Oilers fan, so that was kind of what I what I followed. And, yeah. Yeah, well, we seem to get a Sorry. few Leafs. Sorry, Calgary. Uh, yeah. You know, the Leafs and I mean, Leafs are in the same province. So Yeah, you know. I'm going to go uh, lock my door now. People are going to track down. you down. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, were you outside of when you switched doing ski jumping, that's kind of your sport of choice, were you still active in other sports? Were there are sort of other sports you were pursuing at the same time before you eventually decided to focus on ski jumping? Yeah. Uh, when I was younger, I did horseback riding for a little bit. My, my sister actually ended up being the one that went all the way with that. She's still uh, horseback riding competitively, but... Uh, I did that for a bit, and then I also was in karate for quite a while. I did all the school sports, volleyball, basketball, badminton, track. Uh, did like Actually, when I was young and in ski jumping, we did a lot of other sports as well. Like we did uh, gymnastics, we, did, we skied, we cross-country skied, skated, mountain biked, so everything. And a few of those have stuck with me as hobbies, so that's pretty cool, I think. I noticed one thing about all those sports you're mentioning, all Olympic sports. Uh, was the Olympics something growing up that was a sort of a fascination with you that you kind of enjoyed and thought that this could be something cool to pursue a, a dream to make it to the Olympics one day? Yeah, that's always always been a big, big goal and dream. And uh, I think for a long time, like I remember being in, in uh, kindergarten and being known as the ski jumper, like 
you're going to go to the Olympics. You're the ski jumper. So it's definitely always been something that that's been a goal and the dream. So fantastic, which I mean, at that age, so women's ski jumping wasn't just at the Olympics yet. So if I'm, I'm doing my math based on your age, it was sort of just on the cusp, obviously, when it came into 2014. So do you remember watching it? in Sochi and and maybe going, well, hey, this literally is a dream now. Now that women's ski jumping is an Olympic sport, this is what I can go towards. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I did watch and I had some some older teammates and role models that I cheered for uh, in Sochi. I actually, this is the first time I really thought about this, but when I was really young and I had this crazy Olympic dream, I don't think it even occurred to me that I that women's ski jumping wasn't in the Olympics. I didn't even know that it wasn't going to be an option because I was a young girl. I just still had this dream, I think. So I would have been 13 uh, during Sochi. And it was right around that time that I started realizing how much uh, inequality there was in the sport. So it's kind of, it paired up nicely in that when I realized maybe it wasn't going to happen, it actually did end up happening in Sochi. So yeah. It's kind of, in a weird way, though, a great attitude to have as a child, isn't it? That gender isn't a barrier no matter what. That you, I guess, aren't aware that at that point, as a female, you couldn't compete in the Olympics in that sport based on that not being. But your attitude was, it doesn't bother me. I'm going to do this one day. I, I don't care what barriers are in, in place in front of me right now. So in a weird way, it's like a great attitude to sort of have that confidence when you were growing up aiming towards the Olympics. Yeah, that's very true. I think uh, maybe I need to go back and adopt my seven, eight-year-old mindset <laughs> and just <laughs> ignore all the barriers that might be in my way and just, yeah, pretend like they don't exist, I guess. Yeah, it's something we all probably could uh, go back and, and, yeah. and do. So, I mean, sort of going through that point, though, seeing it at Sochi and, and going through then realising that this could be a thing, sort of what's that progression like as you're getting sort of through the ages? We've heard from a few of our guests sort of how it is working up through the, the ladder and, and kind of everything in, in the sport. But for you, sort of what was your journey like growing up in the sport and then kind of progressing further and further up to, I guess, where you are today? Um, yeah, so like I said, started when I was young, uh, in Calgary and kind of from there, I just trained with the same group of people until I think I was about, I was 13 or 14 when I went to Europe for my first time, first international competition, kind of like testing the waters a bit. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've heard from, from other ski jumpers, but you have to get, uh, fist cup points in order to compete in a continental cup. And then Continental Cup points in order to compete in a World Cup. And then World Cup points are what counts towards Olympic qualifications and uh, world ranking, et cetera. So first thing first was hunting those Fist Cup points. Um, and then it was the Continental Cup points. And then I started on the World Cup uh, when I was pretty young. I think I was 16. Uh, and then at that point, I, I was on the national team. And... Uh, yeah, from there, it's it's been a blur, honestly. I've just been kind of coasting along, I guess. Doing your thing, kind of making the way. What, what is that like, though, going off to Europe for your first competition at, at that age? I mean, had you even been overseas before you, you ventured to Europe to compete like that? I I had gone on a, a trip with my family. We, we went to 
France and uh, the UK, but this was like a bit, this was a bit different. There was no parents and it was just me, the team, the coach. Uh, it was, I remember like I used to miss home a lot. I used to, you know, miss my parents, miss my siblings, miss uh, my pets, everything. But it, it just feels, it feels natural at this point. Uh, but back then, yeah, I mean, and, and I was missing so much, so much school. All my friends, I, I remember uh, when I was in high school in grade 11, that was uh, the lead up to the 2018 Olympic Games. So I was hitting all the World Cups, uh, trying to get a spot. And I remember I came back to school one day and someone just looks at me and goes, you still go here? Like, cause I was gone for the entire semester. I was like, uh, yeah, I still go to the school. I still live here. Uh, so that was, that was, it, it became the norm for me to be away for so long. Which, how do your teachers take that? Because I guess it depends on your teachers and your subjects, but hey, miss, hey, sir, just training to go to an Olympics. Can I have a couple of months off? I mean, are they pretty, okay, fair enough. Yep, here you go. Here's some homework. Take on the road to you, you know? Yeah, I uh, I was lucky. Like, I I went to a regular uh, public school, but I my my teachers were really, really helpful and supportive, and the school itself was actually really supportive, and I, I ended up doing a lot of classes online, and I fast-tracked a lot of my courses, so I did, like, I fast-tracked math, so I was done it in grade 10, and I got a lot of things out of the way so that my later years in high school were really light, lightly loaded. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I managed and <laughs> like I said, I did a lot of, a lot of the courses I did online and a lot of the course material was available online. So that made it a lot easier. Which is it one of those things that, cause you're so driven to this goal, you're, you're pushing towards that dream of an Olympic games that, you kind of aren't too focused on some of the regular teenage things that you're doing at school, like having friends, you know, going out to parties, you know, boys, girls, like all the kind of regular things that we're all going through teenagers. I mean, do you, are you able to kind of put all those things in the, in the back of your mind because you are so focused towards that Olympic goal? Yeah, I, I think there was definitely some times where I felt like I was missing out from some of those experiences and I think my parents felt that most like my parents were just like thinking like obviously they're super proud of me I was out doing all this great stuff but at the same time they were like oh I feel like you know I'm missing all the high school stuff all the, the normal people stuff as you said um I think I think at the end of the day though I didn't I didn't miss out on much I still have friends I still you know do fun stuff and that and that I hope that all the work and all the sacrifices that I've made will pay off in the end. High school. I, I ended up, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm realizing that now, but I, uh, I did have a, a pretty significant injury in 2019, which was my grade 12 year, I think. And that's so obviously I couldn't travel. I couldn't compete. And that forced me to stay at home, go to school. And finally I had like this taste of normal life. And I think I got, I think I got a bit bored of it uh, pretty fast. I was like, Oh, all my teammates are off doing this fun stuff. I want to be back at it. So sometimes it, it you know, you have to take away what you, uh, I, I don't know how to say it's properly. The grass is always greener on the other side, I guess, but. But it's that level 
that I guess any athlete has who commits to a sport. It's it's an addiction in some way, isn't it? That you're so addicted to your sport, to achieving the best you can, and when your sport's an Olympic sport, aiming towards that ultimate goal of an Olympic Games, which, as you were saying there, you go back to this normal life, and we see a lot of athletes struggle after retirement, right? But, I mean, you've kind of got a taste of that right there about, ah, oh, fuck, I'm injured, oh, high school, oh, God, these people, yes, I still yeah. go here. But it's like it's just that taste of, like, when do I get better? I want to get back out there onto the hill. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think uh, also like ski jumping, there's a there's a winter season and a summer season, but there's there's a few months in the spring and about a month in the fall where there's a awkward between season kind of thing where the weather's not good enough to to do summer or winter jumping. And I always find myself coming off of the season, and that's where I just feel completely loss like you said that loss of adrenaline that loss of drive you go from having something to do and somewhere to be every day to kind of you know your your job at that point is to relax and to recover and to get ready for the next season but it feels almost wrong because you're just so addicted to the every everything to do with the sport so basically those days if I'm trying to go to the gym a couple of times a week and I basically am like, fuck, not today, I'm too too lazy, that I should just kind of take you for motivation and be like, well, think about you when you're injured and like you you physically can't but you want to go out there and train. Like, well, see what Abby would do. Come on now, Ben, go to the gym. You can do this. Come on, your body's fine. <laughs> exactly, that's the mentality. And I guess uh, I should be adopting the the uh, when I when I need to take a rest day, I should be thinking of, other people, other people's <laughs> work or uh, workout motivation, just chill like out. that take, balance kind of second. thing going yeah. on there, which, yeah. It's the thing that I found really fascinating about speaking to yourself, some of your teammates, and even some of our American guests, is that as an Australian, we look at any winter sport in your part of the world and think, oh, you know, Canada, winter, ski jumping, it's, it's, it's funded well, you've got so many facilities, it's easy, but obviously... Ski jumping is not one of those sports for, for Canada, as we have learnt. You've really only got the one facility in, in Canada that you can compete on. You were telling me off air about how it's sort of even then, it's not like you can just go and whistle on a Saturday and train. You it's sort of only open a certain thing, which is that something that, you know, how can that be improved, do you think, that for Canadians who want to get into ski jumping, is there is it going to take a medal to break this drought to kind of help the sport get more attention? I mean, what... I guess my long-winded way of asking this question is like, what do you think can be done to get more people involved in ski jumping to, to improve how Canadians get into the sport and, and go onto the world stage? I think unfortunately right now for anybody who's hoping to get into the sport of ski jumping in Canada, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty tough to do. Uh, but I, I think the, the biggest part that's missing is, the, the grassroots programs like we need we need small hills we need 18 meter hills 30 meter hills 60 meter hills you know everywhere all over the all over Canada every province uh so that you know you can get kids started and involved in the sport and meanwhile me and my national team members will will continue you know performing at the world stage and getting good results and you know like you said hopefully getting a medal and that that will inspire those kids to start ski jumping, to start in the sport. But that's hard to do when, you know, if a kid were to see one of us on TV doing great, 
getting an Olympic medal and then say, mom, I'm like, yeah, I want to go ski jumping. And there's nowhere for them to start. Then there's, there's they're not going to get very far. So we definitely just need more small, small jumps. Is that something that obviously you're still in your career right now? It's, it's not something that you're looking at to retire anytime soon, but is that something that you see yourself being involved in and trying to, I guess, grow the sport within Canada and, and maybe recruiting some young girls and boys in, into the sport more and help with exactly what you're saying, facilitate it further? Yeah, I actually, uh, I'm, a, I'm in a bit of a crisis right now because I'm in school, but I don't really know exactly what I want to be doing. But I do think that I want to stay involved in the sport in some way or another, you know, for the rest of my life. I feel like it's kind of a mission of mine. Uh, I want to like bring the sport back in Canada. I don't know what that's going to look like, but if it's like starting a club somewhere or I don't know, you know, becoming a billionaire and building little ski jumps all over the country, then I guess that's what it's going to take. <laughs> I love that. There you go. Become a billionaire, build ski jumps, you know, like done. Yeah, there like you go. That, that works. That's kind of a good way of looking at it. I, I keep right? trying to recruit uh, some some either of you or your teammates or our American guests because Australia has never had an Olympic ski jumper, Abby. So, I mean, you know, if, if, if you can't quite get this grassroots thing happening in Canada – fly out to Australia, you could be part of history, be part of the first ever Australian ski jumper. It just takes one to get the sport up and running, you know, <laughs> just and it just, one. you never know, right? Seriously, that, that I'm going to, you know, take note of that after this Please interview. Please do. That's going to be yeah. a top secret plan. Like you just go down there and build some <laughs> summer jumps and then hey. all of a sudden out of nowhere, out of nowhere, yep. show up at a winter world cup with some top notch Australian jumpers. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a, a naughty like combined athlete back in the 60s. He was a Norwegian mm -hmm. expat. So we've, we've ticked mm -hmm. that. But uh, it's, it's a ski jumping aspect. And we've got a great new summer training facility now for our freestyle skiers. So I'm just mm -hmm. thinking you've built your mogul jump. You've built your aerials jump. You've got the pool there. Just add a bit of a bigger jump next to it. <laughs> and get the Nordic sports in this country because I think we can do it, you know. We're crying out for some representation in Australia. You know, that that is very true. I I, I should – and if, if all else fails, if not Canada, if not Australia, maybe I'll just run away to some, some island and uh, yeah. <laughs> train do some it. locals. Fiji, Fiji, give, give Fiji. Fiji. Just not New Zealand. Like do Australia before New Zealand. Okay, they can okay. wait longer, all right? You know, okay, that's... New Zealand is X. Sounds yeah, good. just 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 leave them alone for a while, okay? okay. Just, uh, they're, they're, doing they're not okay ready. No, no, all right. It took them too long to get their second winter medal, and we want them to wait longer for their next one. So just uh, that that's that's basically like we are Edmonton and they're Calgary. You don't really want to associate, uh, right? You know, actually, other way around. What am I saying? Australia's Calgary, New Zealand's Edmonton. Come on, uh, put that uh, put that the right way around, Ben. I was trying to help this, you. This out sounds there. like this sounds like <laughs> it sounds like it's getting personal. Between yeah, Australia never. and New Zealand. <laughs> never, never on this show. What, what, what would I say that? You, no. you mentioned sort of the lead up to 2018 Pyeongchang. How how close were you to making the, the 2018 Olympics? And was this something that realistically you were setting your, your sights on or was it always towards Beijing and if Pyeongchang had have happened, that would have been a bonus? Uh, no, I did definitely have my sights on Pyeongchang. I think me and all my teammates did, but we like – we were so young at that point and we got thrown right into the world cup circuit 
we hit it hard. We didn't, you know, we didn't have the best resources, the best equipment to be competing with the top in the world. And I did have some pretty good results in the summer leading up to uh, Pyeongchang, but it just didn't carry through the winter. And I don't actually, I have never actually looked at the statistics of how close I was, but there was, we were fighting the whole season right up until uh, Pyeongchang to try to get a spot because I mean, one, one really good result and you're in. So there was always that hope and it was pretty, it was pretty crushing to not go. But then, I mean, like I said, I was young and as soon as it passed, I had my sights already on Beijing. Cause it's that very unique aspect of the sport, isn't it? That as Canada, you are fighting for spots for you to go to an Olympics as a team, but then internally you're also then trying to be in that position that if you get one spot, two spots, you're in that top one, top two or top three, however many mm-hmm. you get. So it, it mm-hmm. must be a very unique aspect of your sport in which you're trying to get as many spots at the same time, but also be the best you can so you can be in prime position to have that spot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's kind of interesting to earn a spot and then to have it. It's not your spot. It's Canada's spot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I uh I think we're all just working towards the same goal and as a team, like we'll just, we'll just push each other to try to ideally earn four spots, a spot for each of us and I'll go. And uh, yeah. And if not, like you said, we just, it'll just depend who's at the top of their game at that point. Cause that, and also now that we've got a mixed team event in Beijing, I'm guessing, does that then help if you secure two spots and that the guys secure two spots, does that then, guarantee you a a spot as a a mixed team because you've got four athletes there or is there a little bit more to getting a mixed team spot at the olympics um we actually i'm pretty sure we are we do have a mixed team spot currently i think we just needed at least one boy and one girl to qualify individual spots and then you automatically get a mixed team it's kind of interesting because you could have um a guy and a girl competing individually and then they kind of bring in two other uh, two other people that wouldn't have individual spots but would be able to compete in the Olympics as mixed teams. So that was that's pretty big for us. Because that's, I guess, it's similar to say what you would have in athletics or swimming where you can, say, qualify third in event, miss out on the top two automatic qualifications, say for the 100-meter freestyle, but because you're third within a certain time, you're going to be on the plane because you're going to be in the relay team. So is that, I mean, how does that work then for you as an athlete? The fact that, again, you're all competing to give as many individual spots for all of you and your teammates, but say Canada has one spot and then you know then in the back of your mind, if you can't make that spot, there's potential to still go because you've got that extra spot for the team. I mean, does that change things mentally or is it still just that solid goal of I'll worry about that closer to Beijing right now it's all about securing as many spots for Team Canada as we can yeah I mean I think uh, I think the goal always just has to be to perform your absolute best whatever that looks like and I mean you're always the goal would still be to be getting as many spots as possible regardless of the oh well there's a there's a there's a chance to still go with the mixed team. I think everybody would want to still represent with an individual spot. So that's always the goal. 
One thing I, I've loved learning about ski jumping through all these interviews is this mental aspect of the sport. And I think many people have explained it's almost 80% mental, 20% physical. Mm-hmm. Do you have a a go-to technique to really help you with your mental training at all? I mean, do you have sort of things that you do that other people don't? Or, I mean, kind of how do you get into that mental aspect of the sport to really help you get better at it? Um, well, in training, I do I do a lot of journaling. So, like, right after a, a training session, uh, I'll just kind of blah, 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 write down a bunch of stuff so I don't forget it. And that's a way that really clicks for me in my brain and – you know, sometimes I go back and read if I go back and read at a point in time when things were going really well and why I was working, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that seems to help clear my mind a bit and keep me on track. Uh, when I'm competing, I've always kind of had a trouble with uh, competition, anxiety, getting nervous, you know, cracking under the pressure kind of deal. But I figured out uh, a few things that work for me. And one of them is I, I play with a soccer ball. Like I, I juggle a soccer ball with my feet uh, before I compete, like when I'm warming up and that just like totally tunes me in, zones me out. I forget about ski jumping and I'm just like there with this ball. I get in this weird little headspace. Like my teammates know when we're warming up, we usually warm up the four of us with a volleyball and we'll be volleying, volleying. And then they know, okay, well, we're all going to go and do the rest of a warm up. Here's the ball, Abby. They give it to me. And I just sit there and like do, 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 play around a bit. So that just calms my mind. Great. So, I mean, I hope you don't accidentally then take it up on top of the hill and then all of a sudden you're there on the bar and go, oh, shit, uh, coach, uh, take I've got the ball. The ball. <laughs> no, that, that, I would have to be pretty zoned out to do that, <laughs> I think. Which, I mean, do you do you find things like music at all? Like when you're with the ball, like do you have music playing in the room with your teammates? And, and if, if you are, like is there certain types of, of genres of music that kind of help with the mindset at that point? I, I definitely listen to music. I'm like 100% always have music playing. Uh, I, it kind of depends on my mood for what I want to listen to. But I think I, I can imagine this being different for every athlete, but I would prefer something that wasn't so hardcore, like intense pump up, get you energized because I feel like that energy comes naturally for me. And when it comes time to compete, I actually need the opposite of that. I need to chill out, relax a bit. So, but not, not something that's going to completely put me to sleep. So <laughs> something in between indie, you know, something, yeah, kind of. It, it doesn't seem like a sport in which you need to get yourself that pumped up because it is no. that level of calm, right? That you need at the top of that hill and, and the focus, the mindset and everything that you, you're talking about there. So you're not going to be going out there listening to some doof basically to really, you know, kind of pump yourself up there at that point. Yeah. I think, I think that's part of one of the things that makes it such a, a tricky sport is it's such a strange balance between you know, needing to be relaxed and needing to be activated. Like you need to be calm, chill, you know, flexible, all this stuff. But at the same time, there's that split second that you need to be putting down every, you know, every ounce of power you have in in the takeoff. And that's like extremely, um, you know, that's a lot of activation. So it's kind of a weird balance, but definitely I would prefer being 
chilled out at the top versus like shaking <laughs> hyped up ready to go kind of thing i think i've tried to equate a few that it's not like a field event in track and field where you kind of clap in the crowd like come on yeah let's do this like it's not yeah. quite that you might let go of the bar too early if you do that as well so. yeah I think I would stand out a bit if I was at the top of the ski jump getting the, <laughs> the crowd pumped up. Hey, <laughs> like, bring it to doing? Australia. We could be the first. You'd be like, you Aussies, you're yeah. crazy. Come on. Yeah, you know, maybe. Start, start cheering that way. <laughs> when it comes to that takeoff aspect with the power aspect, when it comes to the physical training, is that simply a case of you're never skipping leg day? I mean, does the power come from the legs or is there a little bit more to the core or something like that when you are doing the physical aspect of the training? Um definitely legs ski jumpers definitely never skip leg day and you'll never see a ski jumper doing an arm day ever uh so you're the lucky ones <laughs> yeah yeah no arms for ski jumpers you basically don't use your upper body at all but leg yeah it's, lots of the power comes from the leg and we do a lot of um like strength training we do a lot of plyometrics so jumping speed uh, all that kind of stuff. But the whole goal is to stay strong and lean and light. And yeah, you don't need arms though. Like you may as well, you may as well cut them off. Just cut them off. Wow. So, I mean, yeah. like, is that, is that, I mean, this, I don't know if this is a dumb question or not. Bear with me for this one. But like, if you say we're an amputee, can you compete in able-bodied ski jumping? I mean, I don't even know if there is sort of a, a Paralympic version of, of ski jumping, but I mean, just with that in mind, if you don't need arms, I'm guessing if you had an amputated arm, you probably still could compete. That I think I might have uh, been exaggerating a bit. You do you need arms a little bit because you you kind of use them to steer a bit in the air. But honestly, they're they're okay. So Paralympic ski jumping does not exist. Although that would be so so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think. Like I definitely know a lot of people that have broken their arms and still jumped like with the cast or whatever because they just want to keep training. And I, I think it would be doable. I mean, I don't. I'm not an amputee. I don't know how how that all works. But I mean, if 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 I ever got the chance, I think I would keep trying to ski jump. If if you know, hopefully that never happens. But that happened to me. So. I, I've, I've asked thousands of questions on this show. I mean, I don't know if that might be the weirdest or dumbest question I've ever asked, but it just, it just came to my mind. I'm like thinking like I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm imagining this, you know, uh, you might need to hold on to the bar. So you probably need at least one arm, but um, maybe people work I'd like around to see things. it. Maybe, maybe one day. There's got to yeah. be, there, there's something, there's something out there with that too. Right now we're talking to you, you're, you're in Slovenia at the time of recording this just before sort of the season kicks off when we air this would have been going well into into time at that point but tell tell us how you're feeling right now kind of as you're going into this season in terms of your form your mentality i mean how are you thinking beijing is is this completely realistic for you and is this just purely right now my mind beijing olympics this is going to happen for me I, yeah, I feel really good right now. I mean, I've, I've been training, training really hard. I've been, I've taken a lot of jumps this summer and I've prepared really well. Um, I think I also got some good results this summer. So I have a, currently have a spot at Beijing. I just have to kind of keep up my streak through the winter and hold on to it. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident and yeah, I'm looking forward to, to see what the winter brings. Which is, 
it must be again. It's I, I love learning from our winter athletes of the uniqueness about winter sports and qualifying because not only does it come down to those spots we're talking about before, but like you're literally weeks away from Beijing and you still don't 100% know. Like so many of our summer athletes, they qualify a year before the Olympics. Like they know mm-hmm. they're going, but it's just fascinating. And as you were saying, you've basically got that spot, but it's just basically a case of now doing what you're doing, not getting injured, not fucking up, and just kind of doing what you're doing right, which, again, it I can imagine it's a, a 50-50 either way. Like it's a great feeling to know that you just keep doing what you're doing, you're going to be there, but also the case of, oh, like, okay, just let's make it 100% happen and not knowing until right before the games essentially. Yeah, exactly. I'm still, I'm still like hesitant telling people. I'm like, oh, but if it were to not happen, I would be crushed. So I don't, I don't know. I, I just got to keep, keep focusing on, you know, what on ski jumping and what I have to be doing each competition to keep my results good. And yeah, it'll work. It'll work just if I do that. Lots of soccer balls and volleyballs. I'm imagining just kind of to, yeah. to keep kind of that, that mindset just on the journal, you mentioned the journal and obviously I don't want to ask a person their private entries in, in a journal, but I mean, is it, is it really more on the technical aspects or kind of keeping things that a coach maybe says to you at one point, or I mean, or can you do other things? I mean, Nicola McDermott, an Australian uh, high jumper, got very well known during Tokyo. She won the silver medal, but every jump she would be writing in a journal and kind of, you know, all aspects of things like that. But do you do other things in it besides just sort of the technicalities or the sports-based things, like maybe write down a little poem or something like that that kind of helps you, things like that? Uh, no poems, no poems for me, but I, I definitely just, I don't know. I, I really just ramble. Like I'll, if I feel like there's something on my mind, I just write it down. So that can be anything from just like, you know, what I did that day, how I'm feeling, if I have an idea or if I have like some random inspirational thought that comes to me, I'll write it down. I do a lot of, uh, like to-do lists in there. It just kind of depends on feeling. I like I like the I like writing. I like having a pen in my hand and writing down. So just whenever whenever I'm bored, honestly, I just kind of sit there writing stuff. Right. Whatever comes to mind. So I'm seeing Beijing in between jumps. You'll be like going, okay, did well, uh, form good, awesome. Oh, Australian podcast off the podium. Contact Australia re ski jumping. Okay, got it. There you go. It just hit you in the yeah. Olympics. I mean, that's that's perfect timing for it, right? Exactly. Yep. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm just giving you these ideas, right, Abby, just to kind of really make sure that you kind of, you, you go through that with everything like along those lines. I, I'd love to know, like Slovenia is a country. It's one of these countries that I've always looked at and gone, like, I'd love to go to Slovenia because it's, it's literally not, no, but I don't think anybody grows up going, I want to go to Slovenia. No disrespect to our Slovenians. It's not a top of the tourism pile country, but what is it like? Like this is a, again, I'm I'm bringing out the weird question today, Abby. I just I just want to know, like, can you describe what Slovenia is like and why more people should go there? Because it does seem like such an amazing country to visit. Yeah, it is an amazing country. It is it is so small, but it it there's it's beautiful. Like it's got everything. It's got huge mountains, lakes. Uh, it's it's a big skiing country. So there's lots of uh, ski resorts. Um, what else can I tell you? You're also you want to uh, come to Slovenia you're also just a like two hour not even an hour drive away from Italy so you could pair it up with with that but think of it so many people want to travel to Italy but the culture kind of seeps between Slovenia and Italy a little bit so you get a little bit of that 
that taste when you're on the, uh, what would that be? Eastern, Eastern Slovenia. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you end up, I don't know. There's, it's really great here. It's beautiful. It's like quiet. Everyone, all the people are really nice. Everybody in Slovenia speaks English. Like they just grow up uh, watching English TV and they end up becoming fluent. So everyone's super welcoming and yeah, it's, it's great here. Because it must be pretty exciting then, as you're saying, being so close to somewhere like Italy and all these other places. I mean, I've never been to Europe, but I mean, that's always what's fascinated me is that you are so close to other countries. And as somebody who grew up on an island state, on an island country, I mean, when I was in Canada or the US and I crossed a border into another province or a state, I got excited. I lived in Canada. I could walk up the street around the corner over the water. There was a US. I got excited every single time I saw it. It was like, wow, that's incredible. But just to have that so that... If you do have a day off, not sure if you do or not, but if you do, hey, what are we going to do this weekend? Let's go to Italy. Why not? Like, I mean, something that you can't exactly when you're in Calgary going, let's go to Italy. We'll be there in an hour. Yeah. I mean, you grew up in Australia. I grew up in Canada. You you can drive. I don't know how long it takes to drive across Canada, but you definitely, I mean, it's huge. And yeah. here, like you said, you can drive through four countries and a day easily uh we did do a few fun trips this summer we we uh went to croatia for a few days that was really that was yeah we had a little like team retreat down there that was pretty beautiful uh i went to italy with my mom and with one of my teammates i also went to germany with my brother for a bit and yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool knowing that if i ever ever need a break i can just Drive to Venice. <laughs> it's as you, as you do. Why not? Oh, yeah, Venice. Sure. Which it's funny because when I asked you the question before about like had you been overseas before, literally as an Australian, me going to any other country is overseas. Whereas it's funny because again, I lived in Canada or you know I've been to America plenty of times. But it's funny. I turn around. And I'll say to a Canadian or American like, "Oh, have you been overseas? Oh, no. I'm like, "Oh, if you're a Canadian, have you been to the states? Yes. I'm like, "Well, you have been overseas. Well, no, because it's the same piece of land, but to an Australia, it's, yeah. it's that weird balance of like another country to an Australian is always overseas when yeah. to a Canadian going to the US isn't overseas, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never really thought of it like that. It's interesting <laughs> and, sort of uh, way to put that. <laughs> yeah, it is. And being European, I mean, you could go to what hundreds of countries and not yeah. still not be overseas or being exactly. on, on that continent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how many landlocked countries and all that sort of stuff they, they don't even know. It's, it's kind of funny. Like I loved it when I lived in Canada and it was like, let's go to the beach, Ben. Great. And I'd rock up to a beach and I'm like, this isn't a beach. It's rocks. Like there's, that's not a beach. Do you know what, do you know what a beach is? And it's like, this totally is a beach, a beach in Canada. Like, uh, not, not, not a, not a beach to us Australians. We, we like to close out with a series of kind of uh, fun, get to know you style questions, Abby, before I get to those couple of things I wanted to touch on i believe your nickname is frank now okay can you can you <laughs> can you of. clarify kind of like how this yeah. came about um frank one of my my teammate natalie calls me frank and that's from the tv show catch me if you can uh, yeah, uh, it's yep. got leonardo dicaprio in it and one of my old coaches started calling me frank because it's frank abignale jr yeah abigail so yes. that's that's where that one came from. Great. Wow. And do you yeah. like the movie or like had you seen it until, you know? Yeah, or? I 
well, I hadn't seen it until I started getting called Frank, but I do like that movie. It's, it's a good one. Yeah, that's I, I like kind of like the connections that you can kind of, you know, do that with that and kind of when when it's like an obvious nickname, like, okay, I see where you get that. But then if it's actually like got more of a story behind it, yeah. like yeah. that's that's pretty cool. Also, again, on my deep-seated research of you online, uh, I believe you have a bit of thing for bees. Now, uh, where, where did yes. this love for bees come from? Um, I just, I started, I took a beekeeping course with my dad. I think that would have been like close to four or five years ago, four years ago. And we have a few hives back home. We live on a little acreage and yeah, we, we get, it's nothing big at all. We, we have like, we've had max four hives and we just get honey and, uh, yeah, I think bees are really really cool like everything they do is just absolutely fascinating and i love talking about them like if someone asks me questions about bees i'm like a dictionary i just go off but uh and then i kind of thought okay well i'm abby i love bees bee this could be a whole thing and now they're everywhere they're all over my equipment and people like if i have fans that send me messages or anything they always use like a bee emoji or they like comment that and stuff like that right like i think it's sticking (laughs) yeah well i was gonna say like can you like design skis or like helmets can you put like you know do you have free does team canada allow you to get a bit personal with some of these things we can uh you can do helmets you can like one of my teammates has a like custom painted helmet with a white tiger on it that's her thing and can do that i just need to maybe uh win a few competitions and get some money first before i invest in a custom <laughs> painted helmet but a b a b might be the way to go if that if that ever does happen olympic medal might help with that just you know yes could give you a bit of a bit of a boost as well you you, you never quite know with that one also True. now we spoke to to one of your teammates natasha recently and um brought up with her this vlog that you guys uh, had done for for a little bit on YouTube. I discovered uh, your little adventures that you were doing with your, your vlogging. I brought up, why, what stopped it? Like, where, where where did they go? I mean, is this something that you want to bring back the vlogs? Because I enjoyed the vlogs. I was uh, enjoying your, your lifestyles there in uh, in Europe and kind of your, your travels. Yeah. Um, good news, Ben. So, yeah, we did that vlog for a little bit with our team. And this past summer, we vlogged. Uh, mostly I vlogged, but my teammates were the stars of it because I would just capture them doing funny stuff. But I didn't post them on YouTube. I put them on, they're on my Instagram. They're on my like ah, IGTV. Okay. But but this, I've been told I need to go back to YouTube because that is like, that's the platform for, for vlogging. So this winter, <laughs> that's my, my plan uh, to keep an eye out because they'll be going on that same channel, I think. All right, good. The and vlog I want you to... will return. I want you to swear more. Don't listen to your teammates when they're oh, telling okay. you not to swear. Like, as an Australian, you have <laughs> okay. permission to swear. If you're coming to Australia, Abby, to, to start up our ski jumping program, you've got to learn to swear. So, you know, just use it. So let loose. Let loose is what you're saying. All the way. Go just completely let loose. I, do, do, do you want to know, I'll tell you one right now, the greatest Australian phrase that ever exists, and this is a real phrase that you can use any day of the week and people will think you're weird but it it makes sense when you know what it means okay let her rip let's hear it all right okay so the phrase is i didn't come here to fuck spiders now have you ever heard that phrase before i have not okay Elaborate. Now, let, 
let me give you some context on this one because straight away you're thinking, oh, that, that, what, what's going on here? Okay, so let's hypothetically say you, you show up to the ski jump tomorrow, you, you're ready to go, and then all of a sudden somebody comes up to you and goes, Abby, are you here to ski jump, are you? And you'd be like, well, I didn't come here to fuck spiders now, did I? There you go. That's, that's what you would say to them. <laughs> Bam, there you go. Yeah, see? <laughs> like, I've got to use that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll put it in your vlog. That will get you some likes on, um, you know, on, on YouTube. You'd be getting the subscribers. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it's like what else did I come here to do? <laughs> exactly. It makes sense in itself, right? Like straight away, it's kind of like, you know, it's it's the perfect, perfect. Australian phrase. I actually think that even to our Australians listening, we need to use it more in everyday speak. I, I feel as Australians, we don't use it as much as we probably should. So maybe we can start this trend of, of bringing it back into our language. And uh, people think we're weird already, right? So, I mean, why wouldn't we use that? <laughs> I think it's great. I don't think it's weird. I think it's perfect. Good. I'm glad that nobody nobody thinks we're that entirely weird, essentially, with all that. Uh, as I said, Abby, we, we like to close out with a series of kind of uh, fun, random, get-to-know-you style questions. Now, these are a questionnaire that Team Canada athletes got ahead of Rio and Pyeongchang. Now, we, as we've said, we don't know if they got given to our Tokyo athletes because they never published anything on their websites. We're hopeful based on some answers that we may have been given by some of your teammates and other Canadian athletes that these might be being given to you ahead of Beijing. So you might get to answer these properly for the Team Canada website coming very soon. But uh, just a, a bunch of fun, get to know your questions. And you you mentioned you like to draw or do things with pen and paper. So if you feel up to it, there is a drawing element. You can do some drawings, uh, such drawings as draw a picture of your favorite animal, uh, draw a picture of yourself, and there's even sometimes a draw a picture of a teammate option here. So again, if you want to do something creative, draw, take a photo of it, send us in, we'll put it on our social media, and you can because I believe you're a bit artistic as well. You you like to do some sort of artistic things too, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. I draw quite a lot. Okay, I could draw well, an animal. There you go. All right. See, look, no pressure on you at all then. <laughs> this is something that, you know, we might get some good drawings not to take away from our uh, two that we got set in. But, hey, like you never, never know. Uh, I'll start off with the first question. What is your favourite Olympic moment? Favourite Olympic moment. Ooh, that's tough. Um I, I mean, I really enjoyed watching uh, Tessa and Scott win uh, uh, gold in Pyeongchang. That was one of my favorite things to watch, and I, I followed them quite a lot, and I love their energy, and, yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. <laughs> Good answer. I like that. Uh, as a kid, oh, well, we know the answer to this one. As a kid, your favorite sports team was. Do we need to go over this again? <laughs> No, I don't think I don't think I should say it again. I think we cleared that one up. <laughs> Which I mean, outside of uh, of the Oilers, I mean, do you do you follow any sort of other sports or sporting teams at all? Uh, mostly, I follow ski jumping. I'm honestly, I'm a fan just as much as I am a, a competitor. <laughs> so <laughs> that was what I watched when I was younger. All my friends were like watching hockey and football, and I was like, oh. 
but ski jumping and they're like what is that <laughs> well i always i always tell this story that's where every single time we have a ski jump on but I, I i don't care jared one of our co-hosts and i during pyeongchang we'd basically be messaging each other going like it's two o'clock in the morning yeah are you watching the ski jumping? I'm watching the ski jumping. This is amazing. <laughs> so like, we're just because we don't see ski jumping in Australia ever, except for the Olympics at two o'clock yeah, in the morning, apparently. So you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really exciting spectator sport, I think. And I mean, same thing in Canada. Nobody in Canada watches ski jumping unless it's going to be in the middle of the night on TV for the Olympics. Yeah. So <laughs> just wait when you get that but it's medal. Fun to watch. Yeah, it'll be on. It'll be on all the time. Exactly. Right? Like, it'll be on everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Which I mean, look, as as this naive Australian, when I moved to Canada, not realizing that curling legitimately was on prime time, uh, and you talk to any Australian about curling, and would probably make more fun of it than ski jumping. I'm not to take away from curling. I love curling as well. Like curling is a great <laughs> sport. But it clicked. I'm like, oh, I'm really in Canada if curling's on at like eight o'clock in prime time. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a fun sport. It's a fun sport. That's uh, true, if you that's could... for sure. No ski jumping, though. they got to get no, on no that No, no ski one. jumping. Yeah, we'll change it. We'll change it. If you could be any superhero, <laughs> who would you be? Any superhero, who would I be? Uh, I feel like maybe The Flash. Ooh, I think yes. that would be The Flash. I think that would be really cool. Just, like, be able to go anywhere really fast. Yeah. But I was trying to think of something that might benefit me a bit more in ski jumping. Like if I was really any superhero that could fly, I feel like hands down, that would just, that'd be, that'd be cheating pretty hard, but nobody would have to know about it. Right. Nobody has to know. I mean, Superman, <laughs> Superwoman, I feel the standard, but like, I, I also like to say that you as a ski jumper, maybe is the closest athlete in the world to actually being Superman or Superwoman because you already are flying. So, you know. Yeah. I think so. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's kind of a lame answer then. I mean, I, I think Black Widow is pretty cool too. Yeah. <laughs> She's hey. got some moves. She can throw hands with anyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get get Scarlett Johansson into ski jumping. I mean, that would bring people to the sport. Like, come on. Mm, yes. Yeah, I would watch more than I already do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we all would probably. Uh, we touched yeah. on... <laughs> music before who are your favorite music artists Ooh, a big fleetwood mac fan i love fleetwood mac um who else uh oh my gosh i listen to so much music oh now i'm blanking you put me on the spot i love i love everyone but i'm lots of lots of indie lots of uh yeah i can't think is there oh, a song? Oh, I love you, you can get props if you want, if you've got your phone or kind of want to look at any Spotify lists or anything like that. Yeah, We're always I, down for, I, uh, for props. Um, an Australian band called Sticky Fingers. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like them a lot. Yeah. Nice. Sticky Fingers. I like a band called The Growlers. Uh, what else we got here? I mean, my music taste has just changed so much over the years. That's the best like, thing, though, isn't it? Right, like when you when yeah. you're growing and you're kind of discovering these artists. I like that you said Fleetwood Mac, though. I mean, that's that's, that's yeah, a top that's answer. my all time fave. Do you have a favorite yeah. Fleetwood Mac song? Yes, uh, Little Lies. That's oh, my favorite. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah. I'm a big kind fan of, of the kind chain. Of... The chain's probably yeah. my favorite. Good song. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Very yeah, good song. It's that guitar, like at the end, like the dong, yep. dong, 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 dong. It oh, hits, so hits in the soul. Hits the yeah, soul. Really, really good. Have you seen them? <laughs> Have you seen them perform at all? Yep. That was uh, my graduation gift from my parents. I got to go see Fleetwood Mac with my little sister. So Fantastic. That was one of the coolest things, yeah. yeah Hope thanks, I can see Mum and Dad. Tonight. Great. Yeah. Great gift. Big Shout yeah. out, Mum and Dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, just so casually, yeah, ski jumping, that's fine. And yeah, Fleetwood Mac, like coolest parents ever. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Wow. Uh, if you could eat only one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Sushi. Sushi. Or poke nice. bowls, yeah. Ooh, salmon in general. I, I really like salmon. Nice. Now, is that and on the the nutritional plan as a ski jumper are you allowed to eat sushi and uh, salmon is it within the realms uh, of you know <laughs> i i usually eat salad lettuce but uh salmon <laughs> is good i mean that's a good that's a really good source of protein i don't think you can go wrong as long as you eat it in moderation and sushi's a treat you know yeah everything in moderation yeah yeah that's that's what i like to tell myself too yeah uh your yep. favorite place to compete is honestly i i love competing in whistler it doesn't happen uh, very often but those are some of my favorite hills and you know home home turf i also oh, i've got a few i guess i've got a few i really like uh lillehammer norway mm-hmm. i really like i really really like when we compete in japan as well because that's just such a cool place to travel to and you know sushi perfect yeah well exactly right right there too which i mean 2030 vancouver possibly you know going for another crack at the olympics so again you're still young abby there's potential for a home olympics in uh what about i know nine eight years i might stick around for that one if it happens yeah i think so and then 2032 (laughs) brisbane olympics technically being held in winter in australia so again we can maybe push for the ioc to go well technically it's in winter can we have ski jumping and then we get the ski jumping facilities in australia that sounds perfect ben that is your mission that is how we're going to get sport into australia Yep, exactly. And as we're learning, the summer aspect of ski jumping exists, so it's not just all about the snow. Yeah. So, you yep, know. Exactly. It, it works. Uh, this is, I love this. Draw a picture of yourself. So I, I'm using the questionnaire that was given to uh, hockey player Bailey Bram and just the the picture of herself. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know how to describe this, but it's interesting. So um, is again, it, I'm, is I'm, it flattering? Did she get all her? Uh... Well, it's it's better than a lot of the stick figures I see that athletes draw. Um, but I don't know if it feels like this should be in some sort of like Nickelodeon cartoon or something like that. Like it's a bit odd. But I'm looking forward to seeing your version of this. So uh, drawing a picture of yourself potentially there. Uh, one thing that you've always wanted to do. Always wanted to do. One thing, mm. eh? Uh I've always wanted to travel to Northern Canada, like up in the Yukon. Uh, my mom lived there for a little while and she, she taught skiing. And I, I don't know, I feel like that'd be a really, really cool place to travel to. Cause I'm so used to traveling, you know, other places, but I feel like I've never explored Canada as much as I could have, as much as I can. And yeah, Northern Canada just seems so beautiful. And, and kind of billions isolated. of dollars when you're building those yeah. jumps, you know, like- I know you just go build some up there. 
perfect go uh, MIA for a few years. Why <laughs> Start not? A club. Everyone, everyone deserves to go MIA in the Yukon once in a while. Like it's yeah, standard I agree. bucket list, right? Like just bucket list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, your favorite thing to do in the summer is ski jump. <laughs> doesn't but, matter the season <laughs> other than ski jumping uh summer i like to i like to bike like mountain bike a lot when i'm at home if i if i have my bike uh we swim a lot um yeah that kind of thing i mean like to jump off cliffs into water <laughs> stuff like that Lots of jumping. yeah jump it any <laughs> Anything I can jump over or onto or off of, that's, yeah, that sounds like summer to me. Good answer. Uh, your favourite <laughs> movie is? Ooh, favourite movie. Ooh, I've got a few. One of my favourite movies is I think it's called The 100-Foot Journey. It's, uh, it's about an Indian family that moves to England and, and opens a restaurant across from this, like, Michelin star restaurant, and they have to, I don't know, like, overcome a bunch of barriers in order to succeed and i think it's just really wholesome and i love food and it's also about like cooking and it's got so many so many cool artsy <laughs> shots so i just think of this specific shot when they're cooking an omelet and it just makes my my mouth water every time <laughs> <laughs> i love i love the thought process you put into that right like it's like i yeah. like food i like the wholesome story like I like Jurassic Park. It's got dinosaurs in it. So that kind of just like, it's when you straight away can go to that end. But yours is more deep. I like it. There's this scene yeah. with an omelette. Hey. <laughs> There's a scene know. with an omelette. Hands down. Yeah. Got me. Yeah. Perfect. I like this. This is very in-depth, Abby. Like, I like your answers for this one. Uh, your favourite <laughs> cartoon to watch growing up was? Ooh, I feel like I watched uh, quite a bit of SpongeBob mm-hmm. growing up. Uh, that was a big one. What else? Phineas and Ferb. Mm-hmm. Fairly odd parents. <laughs> I don't know how many of these exist in Australia, but the the basics. I've, like most most of my friends I talk to watch the same the same ones. So I, I think Phineas and Ferb. Like yeah, Deb. Like I like somebody answered that recently, and they're like, "Oh, have you heard of that?" I'm like, "Well, I've heard of it, but I think it's a bit out of my age range." Like I think kind of I was uh, <laughs> maybe a bit old for that. But of SpongeBob, I mean, I sort of you know on the cusp of SpongeBob's been around, I think a lot longer than people realize. So maybe I'm just making yeah. myself sound old with that one. No, uh, I think you, SpongeBob has been. If you had to do karaoke, what would you sing? Oh, maybe little lies. Fleetwood Mac. I feel hey. like I would get really, really into that one. Yeah. Good, <laughs> Probably good couldn't, answer. couldn't quite nail it like Stevie Nicks, but I could try. Okay. Definitely not Give a singer. Not one of yeah. my talents. Well, I, I, one of these days I'm just going to surprise people. I'm like, well, hey, now that you've mentioned it, let's cue it up. Here we go. Yeah. And then just, you know. Cue it up right away. <laughs> pull, the, pull the duet open there and we'll just kind of, you know, like get get our Olympic guests to sing, you know. Like, well, really? I, would, I would probably leave the call so fast then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I put up with you being an Edmonton supporter. You can put up with some singing. Come on now. Um, last question. If you could be an Olympian in any sport other than your own, which sport would you choose? Ooh, that's tough. Um, winter sport, probably snowboarding. Mm-hmm. And summer sport, now that surfing is a sport, Yay. I would probably do surfing. Yeah, get to go to Tahiti in a couple of years. Now that's going to be for, for Paris. So, um, yeah. you know. 
Good answers. I like it. Yeah. Abby, this has been a lot of fun. Before we let you go, though, you mentioned your Instagram uh, and your YouTube. We're going to be seeing this. Uh, where, where can people follow you, stay up to date with you on uh, social media in the lead up to Beijing? Um, my Instagram is abby.straight, A-B-I dot S-T-R-A-T-E. And my YouTube, I think, is just my full name, just Abigail Straight. I actually don't know. I haven't. I I haven't really checked and updated it yet. That's that's my mission for this week, but probably under the same name. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I found you pretty easily. I think on there when I was yeah. uh, digging around uh, there to to find the uh, the vlog. So I'm sure if uh, people kind of want to see, that. I, I'm so intrigued to see. Like, I feel like this should be some sort of like addictive binge watchy show now because uh, oh. you know I remember there was like a sink I think in an apartment that was like smaller than your hand or something like that. Oh yeah, and, uh, that's that's pretty typical European sink. <laughs> yeah, was there a gift of pepper on somebody's birthday or something like that from memory as well? So. <sighs> Probably. Uh, you should, yeah, but you should check out the summer ones that we had a pretty fun time. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, I've, I've heard from my friends that they're binge worthy. So secret life of steam even, jumping. That's like a, it's a, yes. it's a new show, right? Netflix should be that's picking a good this up. name. Yeah. That's a good name. You can name, have it. Ben. Have it for free. It's yours. Welcome. You're nice. welcome. All right. You are, Thank you are you. welcome. No problem. Anytime, <laughs> we're happy to help out our guests here. Okay. Just when you start making those billions of dollars, just remember where it started and maybe throw us a couple of, you know, dollars here and there. Maybe a couple, just a couple, just, yeah. just a couple, just a couple. Enough Abby, to build ski jumps, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. That's all we care about, right? It's about growing the sport yeah. of ski jumping. Maybe you can train me up and my dream of being an Olympian, I can reach before I'm like 40. Uh, you know, yep. so maybe we'll you can see. Do it. Uh, long way to go. Uh, Abby, it's been an absolute pleasure learning about everything to do with yourself and the sport and everything else in between. You've made me ask some of the most random questions I've ever asked on this show, but hey, <laughs> it uh, it's bound to happen. But uh, we're crossing all those fingers and toes and everything for, for Beijing. And let's just say it right now, when you're there, we look forward to getting you back on after with that medal around your neck. It's gold. I, I don't want to say with that medal, with the gold medal around your neck. Come on then. Let's be that positive. I think positivity is the and manifestation. That's the way to go. So I can't wait to talk to you again with that gold medal around my neck. And a big thanks to Abby there. Or should I say Frank? I love that nickname. It's a great, uh, great nickname. And uh, very much looking forward to her being the guarding light for ski jumping in Australia. The founding mother of the sport in this country. So uh, we look forward to having you on this side of the world, Abby, to really help out with the sport there. If you want to see the video of this interview, of course, search on YouTube for Off the Podium. You can find this chat as well as all our other great chats that we've had on recently and uh, see their faces as they talk about their sports. It's uh, a lot of fun and uh, love bringing that visual aspect to the show. We're days away from Beijing. As you know, we are continuing episodes every single day right through until the closing ceremony of Beijing. And technically, the day after the closing ceremony, of course, we have a wrap episode that we will have after the closing ceremony. So, so much to cover. We've got so much content to keep you excited throughout the next couple of weeks. It's Olympic time. You're pumped. You're excited. You're thrilled. 
and you're ready to get into the Olympics because I know I am. It's the happiest time of the year every four years, essentially, and we've been obviously spoiled for choice, the fact that we're getting another Olympic Games in the space of, what, about uh, eight or so months. So uh, bring on Beijing. I can sniff it. I can sniff the snow. I can sniff the China, the Beijing, the Great Wall dragons and stuff i i don't know where i'm going with that uh we've got more great content coming your way and hopefully better than this uh closing section of the show search for off the podium on social media twitter instagram facebook's out to date with everything that we've got to produce for you and all the past episodes you may have missed leave some feedback we'd love to hear what you think of the show and of course if you subscribe to us on all the good podcast channels you can never miss an episode and have these delivered directly to your speakers wherever and however you listen to the show big thanks again to abby for joining us big thanks again to you for listening special shout out as always to jason momoa hope things are going well for you my friend and until we next speak again my name is ben this is off the podium and uh, remember go left What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's Ben again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees, and then go, hey, Off the Podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort, and we just love them, and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm I'm really going to go now. Bye.